Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. And services administration. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Doggone it all. One of the the favorite wintertime activities for a lot of Wisconsin farmers has been canceled. The National Farm Machinery Show that happens in Louisville, Kentucky in February has been postponed till 2022. Show organizers said that they had originally thought about postponing it until March. Now they're calling it off completely, and that includes the World Championship Tractor Pull. Ah, doggone. Not exactly the way I wanted to start off your Tuesday morning, but it is what it is. I'm Pam Yonke, by the way. Thanks so much for joining us. Boy, it looks like today is going to be a keeper as far as weather is concerned, especially if you take a look at the temperatures we're going to see this weekend. Sunshine today, 28 are expected high. Tomorrow, uh, partly sunny skies, 31. Thursday, snow, freezing rain, depending on where you are. They're looking for 34 is the expected high. And then Friday, we start turning the corner as far as temperatures with nothing better than 14 above. I'll let Stumach bring the rest of that news coming your way in just a little bit. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like savings on select Ford trucks and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance recently issued a special dividend to support their auto, home, farm, and business customers to help keep Wisconsin strong. This dividend will pay out over $5 million back to their policyholders. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. With COVID-19, it's something that we've talked about, but at the same time, we haven't really mentioned in a while, food labeling and everything that goes into that. It's Josh Gramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. People are always so curious about where their food comes from uh, more than ever before in the last year. And Caitlin, from what I understand, you're talking with some folks that I had quite honestly never heard of, and they've got a pretty interesting approach to labeling the products that Americans consume. That's right, Josh. This is Caitlin Riley here at the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse. And I hadn't heard of this company either, but in fact, they've been around for just about as long as I've been alive, probably longer than you've been around, Josh. We're food comes from, it offers a form of transparency in the industry. So it's a third-party verification company that focuses on the on-farm certification of labels that people may see in the grocery store. And it seems like we've been seeing more and more of those labels lately. I had the chance to talk with Laura Wright and Doug Stanton with Where Food Comes From to learn about the background of the company and how they, in a way, reassure these claims that are made in the food system. So Where Food Comes From is a verification and certification company. I've been around for 25 years in that space, really focusing on the on-farm verification of practices that go on, boots on the ground, on the farms that are producing the food that we eat. 
And why do you think that this is something that's crucial for perhaps our consumers who are getting more and more interested in where their food comes from, but also for the producers themselves who can get that label? Excellent question. I think it's twofold. Consumers are not as familiar with day-to-day practices on the farm and how their food is produced. And so they have lots of questions, right? They're not familiar with it. Maybe don't even have that that parent or grandparent's farm that they can go back to anymore, like we potentially have, or being in a rural area to grow up. And so they've got lots of questions of how their food is raised. And then on the other side, from a producer's perspective, programs and verification of their practices, much like we have with the, the programs we verify at Where Food Comes From, provide a platform for them to tell their story and share the good things that they do throughout the supply chain and ultimately to that consumer who has the questions. So you guys are a third-party verification service. How long have you been on this landscape doing this type of work? I've been with the company about 15 years, and we really got started in third-party verification in 2004 when we were trying to get back access to the Japanese market after the BSE Cal in 2003 where we lost that access and lost that market. And the only way to get back into it was third-party verification through USDA and an agreement with the Japanese government. It was called uh, the Japanese Export Verification Program. And that's how we were able to gain access. And that's really when Where Food Comes From. At that time, we were still just known as IMI Global. And Where Food Comes From name was brought on about seven, eight years ago as we started to expand our verification services. But that's really where we got started. So 16 years uh, at doing third-party verification. And as Laura mentioned, we've been in the traceability space for about 25 years. If anyone goes on your website, they'll be able to see the variety of programs that you work with. You just want to kind of highlight some of those and also maybe some of those that consumers really have questions on or some of them that producers are really glad to have that verification saying, yes, I can stamp this label on my product. We have a variety of verification services, as you see, offered by our different divisions within where food comes from. The IMI Global Division focuses primarily on beef, does a little bit in some of the other species, but that's the primary focus. When you look at our other major division, Validus, they work more in the pork, poultry, and dairy space um, as far as verifications and providing a lot of animal welfare audits, boots on the ground, as Laura mentioned, uh, for different companies that are requesting those services of their supply chain. As we get into the other newest programs that we're looking at, that would be what we call our care suite of programs that we have in beef, pork, poultry, and dairy. And um, I'll let Laura, take it from there. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, Caitlin, it really is an opportunity. CARE was developed and launched actually just in January of this year and is a series of standards that covers three different areas. And those key areas of focus are animal care, environmental stewardship, and then thirdly, people and community. So really covering what consumers are asking about in the areas of sustainability and making sure that the animals, the workers on the farm, as well as the land and the water resources are cared for throughout that production. And how do you guys go about that task of certifying just under care alone, 
That's a lot of things to cover. That's a lot of checklists to mark off. How does your certification process look on the farm level? When we have a producer that's interested in care, we connect him or her with what we call a customer verification specialist. And they are located in different regions throughout the United States and really are the partner of that producer to help get them set up with a producer manual that describes how they accomplish the various standards throughout care. Our auditors go on site to provide that uh, verification on site where we can take a look at the animal care, the land stewardship that's involved, and then also the the worker safety portion. And so we really are a partner in, in helping them close any gaps that they might have. Typically that might be in record keeping, then go through that verification process on farm as well. It is a process for sure. You guys are working on the national level. I see that you guys are based out of the Colorado area, but you guys are working with producers from Wisconsin down to Florida. Yeah, you know, CARE has really uh, taken off even just since it's launched 10 months ago. Specifically in beef care, we're over 300 ranches now, and that covers uh, 24, 25 states. So yeah, we are... uh, doing audits across the nation. And and when we look at the portfolio of other animal proteins, um, it certainly uh, covers coast to coast and border to border. Was there any particular push that led to the development of care? Like you said, this is still pretty new, uh, but I know that there's a lot of back-end work before something launches. What was the driving force for getting that out there? I think really uh, it's all about hearing what consumers and the end users are wanting. And we heard that they have questions about how their food is raised. And we know that producers are doing it responsibly and with care. And so we wanted to provide that platform for them to do just that. And so it did take a little bit of time to put it together, but we were able to to capture that and and put a great set of standards out there and a, a platform for producers to tell their story and to be verified third party in doing so. And I would add there, Caitlin, that I think what a big part of what got this started was the hot topic and the buzzword you hear anymore is sustainability. And we wanted to be able to address that with the different customers that we work with in the different species. And that's really was kind of our driving force to get into that, uh, into the care program. And how does where food comes from break through the label game? Because I know sometimes we can walk through the grocery store and a lot of these labels can be confusing or maybe we don't quite understand what they mean. What do you guys do on your end to make sure this is something where a consumer can see it and understand what it is and why it's there? Specific to care, we have information that's provided in what's called a story bit. Um, So videos that share what that's all about. And we're also transparent with uh, what is all involved with uh, the standards and information. You know, that said, we verify a lot of different programs. And so that can be specific to a particular customer. And and we want to be able to support those raising practices and verify to a particular standard, no no matter what they are. And I think, Caitlin, to add to that, um, we've specifically on our logo, if you've seen that on the website, it's a heart. And so we feel like, you know, beef or pork or poultry raised from the heart. So we feel like portraying that symbolism into the product and maybe get that awareness to the consumer uh, of what that heart means on a product 
not necessarily heart healthy or anything along those lines, but it's the compassion, the driving force behind how those animals were raised and that we're verifying that they're raised in the type of environment that a consumer would like them to be raised in and still make it producers can do it and do it in a profitable way and still meet the consumer demand at the same time. And I think that's the two things that we're trying to do, work with our producers and meet the consumer demand at the same time. With a logo on on package, there's always USDA actually, actually requires it anymore that you tie your website to that label so that the consumer can go and follow your website to learn more. And I love that too. Not only do you guys provide that website, but that QR code that's so simple for people if they're going through to just snap right. that and have that access. So I don't think you can make it much easier to get a little bit of more understanding of what you guys are doing there. Yeah, the QR code is in with this COVID era. We've all learned how to do that just to order food at a restaurant anymore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, then I suppose too, you know, I mean, more and more people are going to the grocery store rather than eating out, yeah, things like true. that. So the exactly. attention to labels may be coming even more prevalent now than what we've ever seen. Right. I think you're right. I think those are all the questions that I have for the two of you. Is there anything that I'm missing? Anything else that you guys want people to know? We're going to continue to, as a company, evolve to what the consumer feels is important in the product and work with our customers for third-party verification of those standards that they're looking at. And I think with the care suite of programs itself, I think we're going to continue to evolve. It's not going to be static. It's a changing environment. The consumer demands are changing and we want to accommodate that. Care really provides that uh, for us since it is an internal standard. But then we have a professional committee of both industry people and producers themselves that will continue to look at that program year after year and make the changes that they feel like needs to, to keep up with what's going on and what the consumer is looking for. Once again, that's Laura Wright and Doug Stanton with Where Food Comes From, that third-party verification company that's checking on the labels that you might see in the grocery store. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kitten Riley. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When we say we're the concrete producing company that contractors rely on, it's because they know we produce our own superior ready-mix products that endure the Wisconsin elements, and our family stands behind the long-lasting performance. Add one of our unique products to your next project. The concrete producing company, the contractors rely on advanced concrete. Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses, wild violets, and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. 
With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. Interest rates are at all-time lows, and home equity is at all-time highs. You know what that means? You can save big money by refinancing your mortgage loan. Whether you want to just save a few hundred dollars a month, consolidate some debt, or get money for home improvements, now's the time to call me. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, we're running a little tight on time, but it is time to find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us. You really don't even want to have to talk about, you really don't want to have to talk about what's coming up. Today's not going to be so bad, but I don't know that we want to go all the way down the road. Yeah, today and tomorrow are going to be fantastic, Pam. Nice temperatures, above normal, not too windy, really sounding very fine. High pressures right here in the Midwest. Yes, I know, we need to look ahead. And the next low is going to build in, kind of following the same path as the system from the weekend. Oh, heading down toward Kansas, what I see right now. But I expect some snow and some places even freezing rain. We'll talk a little bit more about that right after this. Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu, let's focus on the short-term weather because I got to find my long johns before I get to Friday. Yeah, yeah, get ready for that. Mostly cloudy today. Even the sun will break through now and again, keeping it a little bit brighter. Still doesn't sound like a bad day. Look for that high, oh, 30 Madison and Beaver Dam and Fond du Lac, a little warmer, 32 elsewhere. And the north breeze is only about 5. Could become more partly cloudy overnight. We cool again down toward the low double digits, 10 to 12 or so. Northwest winds around 5. Some sunshine expected for Wednesday, low to mid-30s. South winds at 5 to 15. But Wednesday night into Thursday, snow develops, could be freezing rain, a little period of sleet. I expect uh, the mid-30s on Thursday with that precipitation. Right now, Pam, let's say 2 to 4 inches, probably a little heavier toward northeast Wisconsin. All right. What did, what did they end up with on the East Coast? They sounded like it was going to be Armageddon. Is the worst of it behind them for like New York, D.C. or wherever it was supposed to hit? Yeah, it's some light snow out there yet. You know, that the, the last few hours of it hanging on, I didn't look at snow amounts. Their problem is they've got nowhere to go with it. Yeah, that's right. Very true. They've got to 
Drag it, truck it, haul it. Yeah, very good point. All right, buddy. Well, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. And like I said, everybody start looking for the heavy heavy winter warm gear because we're going to need her before the end of the week. Oh, the weekend doesn't. <laughs> Close to zero on <laughs> Sunday. Put it that way. I don't. No, 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 no. Don't want to hear it right now. Not right now. Let's just go with the sunshine for today. All right. See you later. Thanks, man. See ya. Stumacher, ag meteorologist, with not necessarily the weather details you're looking for. I think we've got like five alert days that are coming up. And, uh, you know, it is uh, the first week of February, so it shouldn't be a real big surprise. Happy Groundhog's Day. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There's big discounts during the Kubota sales event February 1st through the 6th at Johnson Tractor in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. How big? How about up to $5,200 off the Kubota SVL 65 or up to $2,000 off L-Series tractors? The Kubota BX23S has savings of up to $1,600 as well. See Johnson Tractor's Facebook page for details on all the great deals. Johnson Tractor's Kubota sales event is happening February 1st through the 6th in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat and back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. When you choose from several options, you're likely going to save money. That's what a family-owned, independent insurance place like ours can do. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our best is the very least we can do. Listen, we've just gotten a taste of what Wisconsin winter is going to be like. Don't tell me you're already having problems with that snowblower. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for McFarland's 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City or online, McFarland's.net. You can talk and text with the staff if you've got questions, 608 643 3321, I'll tell you, they are ready for you. No matter what brand you've got, Simplicity, Toro, Boss, they want you to have a successful winner. Get that snowblower in now, McFarland's. Confusion ever someone or have sudden you trouble had speaking, understanding? Understanding trouble? Have you sudden have or speaking someone ever confusion? Have Have you you ever had had sudden sudden confusion, confusion, trouble speaking, speaking, or or understanding understanding someone? someone? It could be one of the five signs of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Suddenly having trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. 
you could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. It's late until, wait, don't too. Don't, don't wait, wait until, until it's, it's too late. late. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at powertoendstroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We've built our bank around no-nonsense solutions and removed the barriers between you and your money. We've made every ATM your ATM with unlimited refunds on surcharge fees. With our mobile app, deposit your checks and pay your bills. Simplify savings with smart automation. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. Lenders you know. Member FDIC. Equal Opportunity Lender. When I was little, we could talk, talk about, about anything. anything. I still want you to talk to me. When I was little, you taught, taught me, me to, to follow, follow rules. rules. I still want you to guide my life. When I was little, we laughed, laughed and, and played. played. I still want us to have fun together. When I was little, you gave me hugs. hugs. I still could use a hug once in a while. When I was little, you told me you loved me every, every day. day. I still want to hear those words. When I was little, you, you were, were my, my hero. hero. I still want to look up to you. You're, You're my, my parent, parent, and I'll, I'll always need, need you. you. No matter their age, your children never stop counting on you. Stay close to your kids. Stay connected. Visit parenting.org for helpful resources or call the Boystown National Hotline at 800-448-3000 for free parenting advice. Major League Baseball Players Association, Mulls. Major League Baseball's pitch for a delayed 154-game season. After months, they say, of scattered dialogue, the parties, the association, Players Association and the league, find themselves in a similar position last year somehow when it comes to the pandemic. They're disagreeing over the proper path forward. Shocking. Completely shocking that they wouldn't uh, you know, come together here. The league has proposed to push back the start of spring training to late March and the beginning of the season to late April. That includes a 154-game schedule that would pay players their full 162-game salaries, according to sources. So the proposal concerns that the Players Association on multiple fronts, play, uh, there's concerns here with pitchers having to ramp up to start spring training around February 17th. They are uh, wanting to shut down these facilities. They want them all to get vaccines, uh, the vaccine. And then they also, in like the Cactus League has already talked about having to delay the start of their season because Amera was Amera. Maricopa, Maricopa County. County. Maricopa County is allegedly spiking, but I don't think they're even releasing their information uh, to the public. Uh, Rowdy, they're already disagreeing. So, what do we think is going to happen here? I think we better strap in for a delayed start to the season. No, I, I think the players are going to show up to these so. places and they're going to say we're going to play. Like the biggest, my biggest question to MLB for proposing this is why? Yeah. What what's your reasoning? I know their reasoning, according to the article, is supposedly recommendation of health experts. Who are these health experts? Can you put names on them so we can ask them questions? Like, how, about, yeah, how about they just have like an open dialogue? Like, hey, like here's a panel, and here, like, I would love to just watch the players' association, and they'll never do this. It, the players' association and Major League Baseball and their and their health panel, it, like, talk from, about it. It's from health experts. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're saying they would like to restart the season once the COVID nineteen cases have dipped. Well, you're already putting 
what you want to propose is two weeks later. What if the quote-unquote cases haven't dipped then? What's just two weeks going to do? Yeah, what is two weeks going to do? I don't understand what two weeks will, is will do. What what did it do for Major League Baseball pushing back their last season, their 2020 season? It just until pissed, late it just July. alienated the entire fan base and it it didn't do anything besides have a 60 game regular season. What did it do? How much did their testing change? I don't it didn't. Think it, didn't. it didn't at all. There's nothing there's nothing that has changed. The status quo of COVID hasn't changed. All those two weeks, though, you know, we're going to let but them, pushing let it them back just two push weeks. it back two weeks. And wasn't the one thing that Major League Baseball and they were all complaining about was money? For health and safety, two weeks. It was all about money, right? Always. Major League Baseball and the owners have cried about how, oh, we didn't have fans in the stands and, and we lost a lot of money. Well, one, that hasn't even been verified. I'm sure they did lose money. There's no doubt about oh God, that. They lost tons of money. But it's about money for them, right? Now all of a sudden they're saying, well, let's push it back two weeks. We'll play a 154-game season because just one short season wasn't enough. we got to short another season. Yeah. And on top of that, we'll still pay you for 162 games. Yeah, but I those thought two you were weeks, crying about money before. Those two weeks, man, are really going to so be the difference. So now you want to push it back two weeks and not start on time and then have a shorter season but pay the players more? This makes no sense. It makes zero sense. MLB's desire to delay the season is based on, I'm reading right here, based on the recommendation of health experts and the likelihood that doing so would enable the 2021 season to be held when COVID-19 cases have dipped, as Nelson just said, particularly in, uh, particularly in Arizona, which currently has the country's highest rates, where half of the league holds spring training. Cases in Arizona and Florida have recently dropped, and health officials project they will go down even more between now and the proposal's start date. Okay. So, so so now we're basing this off of projections. So now they're projecting it'll be lower and and much lower at this proposal start date. Remember when they projected 2.2 million people were going to die? Yes, I do. That was a projection that was way off. What if their projections way off and it doesn't decline? It it actually spikes well, higher. Here's the okay. The cases in Arizona and Florida have recently dropped, and health officials project they will go down even more between now and the proposal start date. Okay, these players. Now, I'm sure some of them do live in Florida and Arizona, but you already had an entire, now, a 60-game regular season where they played in Florida and they played in Arizona. They They played in every big city. They've already done it. You've already done it. In fact, the Florida Marlins caught a little bit of COVID, but they still made the effing playoffs. Where are the Diamondbacks at? Were the Diamondbacks knocking on the door, too? These teams have already done it. They've already done it. She knows farming, and she'll put you in a headlock if you say different. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. And he knows commodities. John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, is going to be stepping to the microphone in about 15 minutes for a quick update on what he sees developing as far as the trade today. Should be interesting, to say the least. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday, which should bring us sunshine today. Temperatures in the upper 20s. Tomorrow, partly sunny and into the 30s. Watch out for the weekend. That's when things get bitterly cold. Boy, talk about bitterly cold. On this day in 1925, 20 mushers started out on a journey to transport medicine to Nome, Alaska. Yep, that's right. It was the beginning of the Iditarod race. 
considered the world's longest and most challenging dog sled race, started by 20 mushers on this day in 1925. On this day in 1985, NFL running back, broadcaster, and actor O.J. Simpson married his second wife, Nicole Brown. Yes, that is the same Nicole Brown that was murdered in 1994. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that today, former U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack is making his way back up to Capitol Hill for his nomination hearing to become U.S. Ag Secretary yet again. Now, it should be a slam dunk by most people's perspective. Let's find out more with Josh Scramlin. Hey, Pam, good morning to you. Last week, the Senate Agriculture Committee scheduled a confirmation hearing for Agriculture Secretary nominee Tom Vilsack. Well, fast forward a few days, and today is the day that Vilsack will appear before the committee in the U.S. Senate at 9.30 a.m. this morning. Assuming that Vilsack makes it past the Senate Agriculture Committee, he will then go to the full U.S. Senate for a vote, and all 100 senators will vote yes or no on his confirmation. So how are Wisconsin's two U.S. Senators, Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin, planning to vote on Vilsack? I reached out to Tammy Baldwin's office. They got back to me. I was able to speak with her, and I asked her if she thought that Vilsack leading the USDA was a good thing for Wisconsin farmers. Well, certainly... As a Iowan, he is in, uh, you know, he's always been in close proximity to Wisconsin and I think knows Wisconsin well. Um, he's been a champion of biofuels, which uh, is crucial so that we can get our ethanol and advanced biofuel industry back on track. Um, and he also knows dairy. Uh, he spent years of uh, working on uh trade deals that benefit uh, agriculture. And um, I am, uh, I've am i been able to work with uh, uh, Tom Vilsack uh, in his former stint as Secretary of Agriculture uh, to advance Wisconsin priorities in the past, and I have no doubt that uh, we'll be able to continue that work uh, once he's confirmed to, once again, lead the USDA. With that being said, Baldwin says she will vote yes on Tom Vilsack. Oh, I certainly would support him, especially at this moment in time. Again, uh, somebody who can hit the ground running on day one uh, at an agency that has such uh, powerful impact on uh, Wisconsin agriculture uh, producers and processors. That's Tammy Baldwin. She will vote yes when it comes to Tom Vilsack's confirmation to lead the USDA. And how about Ron Johnson? Well, to be entirely honest with you, I reached out to Senator Johnson's office a handful of times, and I got a reply back saying that they would let me know if anything was going to work in the future. But I never actually got to speak with Senator Johnson, so I do not know if he will vote yes or no, or what his overall feeling on Vilsack leading the USDA is. But here's what I can tell you. Vilsack is expected to enjoy a pretty smooth confirmation process overall. He previously served as the Secretary of Agriculture during all eight years of the Obama administration before heading up the U.S. Dairy Export Council for the last four years. Prior to that, he was the governor of Iowa, and ever since he was announced as the nominee to lead the USDA, he has received some pretty broad support from agriculture groups. Again, his confirmation hearing will kick off this morning at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. We will keep you updated on how it goes. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. 
If you want to watch uh, Vilsack's nomination hearing, you can do that via the World Wide Web. Just go to the U.S. Senate Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, and they will have that uh, live video right there. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, coming up in just a moment. In case you missed it earlier, kind of sad to report that the National Farm Machinery Show has been postponed until 2022. Show organizers had originally talked about maybe postponing it until March, but they said in light of the COVID situation today, they are just going to scrap it all and wait until 2022. Unfortunately, that also means that they are going to scrap the championship tractor pull that usually happens in conjunction with the Farm Machinery Show. That normally would attract somewhere in the neighborhood of 70,000 people and is considered uh, quite the show. But this year, we are going to have to do without, I'm afraid. Markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are uh, not doing without international action, but that seemed to be the conversation topic yesterday in Chicago. How much USDA said we were shipping out as far as corn and soybeans. We'll talk with John Heinberg about specifics in just a moment. In overnight electronic trade right now, March corn's unchanged at 549. December new crop corn unchanged at 447. The soybeans for March are down three right now at 1362. November new crop beans are down a penny and a half at 1152. Wheat had a tough Monday, but right now July is up three and a quarter at 637 a bushel. Barrel cheese was unchanged yesterday in Chicago at a dollar thirty nine. Forty pound block cheese was up three quarters of a cent at one fifty eight and a quarter. Double A butter down three and a half cents to a dollar twenty one per pound in Monday's trade. February milk right now is up a nickel at fifteen fifty five a hundred weight. March milk is up to sixteen nineteen. The April milk closed twenty nine cents lower yesterday at sixteen forty seven a hundred weight. Congratulations to some of the folks that were recognized during the Wisconsin Farmers Union 90th annual business meeting that basically was held all online. About 250 people that tapped into the virtual uh, presentation. Congratulations to Michelle Miller from the UW-Madison's Center for Integrated Ag Systems. She was presented the Friend of the Family Farmer Award, which recognizes people that have gone above and beyond in their efforts to help family farmers and rural communities in the state. Darren Von Ruden said that supply management's been a big focal area for the Wisconsin Farmers Union memberships and that they were grateful that Michelle committed so much of her time and energy at the Center for Integrated Ag Systems to help them work on that. They also named U.S. Representative Mike Gallagher and U.S. Representative Ron Kind as friends of the family farmer in recognition of their bipartisan introduction of the Dairy Pricing and Policy Act of 2020. Builders Awards presented to some of those Farmers Union folks that are out there uh, trying to develop new programs, bring in new leadership. Congratulations to Rachel Henderson from Menominee, Sarah Lloyd from Wisconsin Dells, and the late Dave Fauska from Elroy presented those Builders Awards during the Wisconsin Farmers Union 90th Annual State Convention all online. Listen, if you're a larger livestock operation, don't forget today is the beginning of uh, kind of a refresher course 
for the rules and regulations on CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations. Uh, about 500 animal units or more, and you start coming in under those guidelines. Kevin Erb from University Extension's got four days worth of conversations with people that have lived through the experience and are looking ahead into what 2021 and beyond holds in store for large animal agriculture. You can sit in one day or all four days. They're only running from about 9.30 in the morning until 11.30 in the morning, so not a lot of time. But what I like best about what Kevin's got put together this year is it's people that have already lived through the process. So if you're thinking about expanding and you don't know what the CAFO permit process is like, learn from people that have been there, done that, instead of going it alone. Contact your local county extension office if you want to get registered. I've also got a story up on MidwestFarmReport.com with details and links available right now. All right, we'll take a quick break. Our man, John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, is going to do his best to try to make heads and tails on what's going on in the markets this morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help regarding an attempted homicide that occurred one year ago. On January 29, 2020, a mother and her two young children were brutally attacked by an unknown gunman in the 2700 block of Dahl Street. It is presumed that the gunman followed the victims from their residence located in Kennedy Heights Apartments. While traveling in the 2700 block of Dahl Street, the car in which the gunman was riding cut the victim off, forcing their car to stop. The gunman then exited the car and fired multiple rounds into the car that the victim and her two young children were traveling in. The mother and a child sustained injuries related to the gunfire. Madison Police Department's Violent Crime Unit is reaching out to the public in hopes that someone has more information about this senseless act of gun violence. Please visit MadisonAreCrimeStoppers.org or Madison Area Crime Stoppers Facebook page for additional photos and video of the suspects. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Neon, day glow, flashing lights, special effects. Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive snow-capped mountains, or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea, or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov slash refuges. That's fws.gov slash refuges. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And we are happy to have along with us a guy that's keeping his eyes on everything relative to commodities. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live this morning. And I want to jump right to it. 
uh, John, because we're a little shorter on time. Uh, we haven't talked about livestock for a little while. First, I want to focus in. We just got the Catalan feed report out, and there's developing stories again out of out of China regarding their African swine fever and possible new viruses that are being discovered, and maybe as importantly, farmers there turning to they call it illicit drugs to try to treat or protect their hogs and it's not working and it seems to be complicating matters let's go to the livestock first where do you want to start john well let's just address that african swine fever uh issue or the the popped up here just uh, recently you know we we saw in one province it was a, a operation thousand sow operation did break out with african swine fever again and just as you stated uh basically came from a vaccination program of unapproved vaccines that actually wound up causing the disease and again it caused some pop in the hog markets at least for a day or two we're still it's one of those watch and see uh, type stories at this stage obviously information doesn't flow freely out of China, so you don't know the extent of things. But let's just cut, put it still in this uh, type of a nutshell. You know, first off, their Chinese lunar holidays coming up here in a, in a couple of weeks. That is the number one uh, pork driver in terms of demand for the year, and they're, they've been aggressively securing supplies. We saw weekly export sales for pork at 52,000 metric tons last week, which was a monster sale week, as well as shipments continue to move out. So the demand for pork is still aggressive in the markets, and that's helping us out overall, given the supply that we're cutting through here. But on top of that, we are seeing that Chinese hog herd recover. And that's some of the reason, too, that we've been seeing the, the demand in the green side of the equation because they've changed their industry to a more con- confinement-type style feeding compared to what they were in the past, and that takes fresh feed. Yeah, exactly. And that so that, like you said, a watch and see. The other one, uh, a little bit of a surprise, uh, the cattle on feed numbers, a little softer uh, than what we had expected, I guess. Yeah, USDA on Friday last week came up with the cattle inventory numbers. That's a biannual uh, or semi-annual report. comes out July and January. Uh, so it's a, just a nice snapshot of everything that goes, you know, in terms of the cattle inventory. And the biggest things we were taking a look at, what's the calf crop for last year? What was Where are the beef cow numbers at? Beef cow numbers continue to trend lower. Now, this is uh, basically the second consecutive year we've seen that inventory come down. So, again, kind of showing, you know, cattle are very cyclical, that we maybe got through the expansion phase, and now we're in a little bit of a contraction phase here. A lot of that's also being led by the dryness in the southwestern plains and some of the you know feed issues and weather issues in the northern plains over the last couple of years as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. But we are looking at a tighter supply of cattle overall. Calf crop in 2020 was about 660,000 head less than last year, uh, the prior year. So that, again, just uh, gives us a little bit of a picture that's a little bit tight now. And we've been seeing that reflect in the deferred contract prices as we look into the third and fourth quarter of the of 2021. Interesting. So uh, now we talk about what we've got on hand. What about backlog? Anything like that that uh, we're still kind of pay- paying attention to and is influencing our markets? That's a big factor right now in the cattle markets, especially here in the front months between the February contract, the April contract, cash prices. It's been a real struggle to get cash to move higher this year, even despite the strong demand that we're seeing in the cattle market. We did finally get cash prices to tick higher last week to around the 113 level you know, for the majority of the nation. 
that actually is the highest price we've seen in cash um, cattle since back to June. So, so we'll have to see how that plays out. The biggest problem we keep running into is we have heavyweight cattle coming through. Carcass weights were up again last week to kind of start off the year, and that's really not where we need this to get to. I think we got a little bit more time. We just got to kind of work through this backlog of cattle that's still kind of a mixed-up pot from back when we had the, com- the COVID uh, breakdown. Uh, then we get through those cattle, then we'll really start seeing where the numbers are and, and how the industry is going. Biggest thing forward, though, is going to be the demand. It's been good, even despite the issues that we're seeing. We're seeing good international demand, and now we're hearing more talk of uh, things starting to fire up in the food service sector, and that could still be the factor that's going to be supportive of this market overall. Carcasses have been on a nice rally lately, and we're seeing that maybe start to reflect in the cash price. Speaking of international movement, wow, some big numbers for corn and soybeans. I mean, uh, looking at year-ago trends, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that we've got this many sales. It's been an aggressive uh, sales pace, obviously. And then last week, we saw China really step into the corn mar- market, picking up about six, uh, 6 million metric tons on a bushel level. It's about 250 million bushels. So there's some issues going there. You know, We addressed their feed issues that we talked about in terms of the feed there for hogs, and that's going to continue to stay in the market. Now, we got a USDA report next week on the 9th, so we'll see how the USDA handles that big surge in Chinese purchases. Usually, they don't do a lot in the February report. So I'm you know, kind of watching if they kind of kick the can down the road, see if these uh, purchases get shipped. But just seeing that activity and the continued talk that they are still in the market. Right now, they're feeding corn. It's pushing over $11 a bushel. They're making money at that level. So bringing U.S. corn in at our, our prices even turns those pork industries, uh, pork farms, or pork operations, excuse me, even more profitable and still keeps the demand in the market. So there was talk they were buying again Friday. Now Nothing came out yesterday uh, in terms of export sales, but it'll be something we'll need to watch here as this week goes on. Crazy. Now, with that regards to the international demands, what is this rumor or what is this conversation we're hearing about container shortages? Yeah, that's been something that's been brewing here basically since summer, and it's continuing to grow that the, just the containers for a shipping product are missing and, and not showing up or not coming back empty and things of that nature. And there's just a tight supply, which is really starting to weigh heavily on the shipping costs. So that's one of those sideline things that we just don't think about when we talk about the markets that comes into play is just the availability or the logistics of getting product overseas. So that is something I know there's an investigation the government has taken a look into now where these containers at. It seems to be more of an international side issue than it is anything here from the United States, but it is definitely something to keep an eye on because obviously if shipping costs start getting high, that adds to the, the, the cost of the export that has to go out of the country and could possibly limit some of that movement. Well, in our stuff, agriculture commodities don't generally go in containers, right? It's combination. Uh, sometimes they do ship grains in containers. I've, you know, I've heard that from some uh, some of the export groups that you know they'll put them on the containers and haul them by, via rail mm. out to the the Pacific Northwest and mm. then put them on the ships and haul them that way. Okay. So it does have a di- impact uh, indirectly into that side of the equation. So it is something that's going to be you know watched on. It's starting to build a little bit more in the news here in terms of the shipping costs and what it's costing to get this product overseas. Yeah, you bet. All right. Well, good. We'll see what you got to say next 
next week, John Heinberg joining us live this morning with a quick update on what uh, is driving our markets. A lot of different uh, news that we can kind of keep an eye on. As always, if you want to make sure that you're in the know, you can check out uh, TotalFarmMarketing.com. That's their website. And on that website, you'll also have an opportunity to uh, see John's profile and uh, get in contact with him directly.